Welcome to the Future Print Podcast, celebrating print technology and the people behind it. Well, hi there, and welcome to this week's Future Print Podcast. And I am very pleased to have with me Simon Edwards, Product Manager of GIS. Simon, welcome. Well, thank you very much. Very nice to be on board here. Yeah, really nice to speak to you again. We, we haven't spoken for a bit, so it's always interesting to catch up and to find out what you're doing. Uh, just before we started recording, you mentioned you're a really product manager for all products at GIS, and that covers a lot of different things. Where have you been recently? You mentioned your travels. Uh, yes. Um, uh, last year, early last year, Global Intersystems was purchased by Nano Dimensions. And mm. so the last year we've been um, building the ecosystem of the Nano Dimensions team and getting it integrated. And so part of that is my job role is not just product management for Global Intex Systems, but also I play a, a larger role within the group. I've been getting more involved in Nano Dimensions activities, um, and in particular, more recently, which has been quite exciting, is the area of um, artificial intelligence and machine mm. learning technologies, which uh, we can talk a bit as we go, because that's part that's on the roadmap for uh, Global Intex Systems and also for some of the things we might be um, delivering to our customers in the future. Yeah, interesting. Um, and you're in Tel Aviv, and obviously that's a hub of technology and innovation isn't it it is indeed it's um a very interesting place actually it's uh, very technology rich mm. um, lots of diverse things going on there as we know it's also a place where there's a lot of uh ink and digital printing companies have grown yeah. up yeah or or not just grown up but um moved to yeah and yeah. Uh, so yeah there's quite a, a whole ecosystem around printing technologies and it, it's interesting because I, I thought about this when i was there before actually um a lot of synergy between Cambridge and Tel Aviv because of that. Mm, mm, uh, you know, Cambridge being a technology hub, mm. Tel Aviv a technology hub, both working in the areas of digital and inkjet printing technologies. Um, so, yeah, a huge amount of synergy all around. Yeah, I guess slightly different um, routes to their kind of starting point because obviously you think of Cambridge and you think that's really about the science and the, uh, the university. And when you think of Tel Aviv, do you think it comes from their defence and their kind of development there? Where, where, where was the starting point in, in terms oh, of Oh, yeah, Aviv? I guess the thing is that um, yeah, Cambridge is obviously well known for its fundamental innovations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fun, yeah, fundamental innovation, physics, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the core, sort of the core disciplines. Yeah. Um, Tel Aviv is clearly well known for its ingenuity. Yeah. And, and ability to engineer innovation. Yep. And I think that's where the synergy comes in, is that uh, yeah, Tel Aviv, certainly from a from a technology perspective, has been very good at doing that. I think, yes, they, it certainly does come from the fact that, um, you know, the, the larger community within Israel um, from very early age is involved in a lot of technology areas. Um, yeah, electronics, some, I guess. Electronics, some of that obviously military. Mm. Um but of course, it just inspires that sort of approach to that scientific approach from a very early age, and I can you can sort of you can feel that coming out in the people you work with there. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, similarly, uh, that's how what I felt when I visited. Um, you're going to talk a little bit about the Atlas product, but for anyone who doesn't know you, always good on a podcast to kind of just give us a bit of a Simon Edwards, who are you, where have you been, what have you done, type of thing. So, so tell us a bit about you. Yeah, my background is um. Unusual, I guess. I'm a physicist by background. Mm -hmm. actually started my life in astrophysics, studying high-energy particles, um, and then moved into optics, um, which is interesting because optics has a lot of similarity to the geometry of gravity, which is why it happened that way, mm -hmm. which uh, quite inspired me in that area at the time. And then I moved into digital printing um, in Australia initially mm -hmm. with a company there. 
that invented some technology around inkjet printing. Um, and it was also a company that had a very long history in manufacturing paint, actually, and then m- twisted their hand to manufacturing ink, yeah. in particular toners, yeah. for Japanese companies. And then that kind of moved on to inkjet printing, mm. uh, history from, well, back from 1960, in fact. Wow. So I kind of kicked my career off in Australia in the area of digital printing, and I've been in the industry for 25-something years now. Wow. In different places, doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um always found it very exciting because there's so many things in digital printing which are unexpected. Sure. Lots of innovation required, a lot of technology, a lot of different disciplines, which I think is really interesting about our business. Mm-hmm. Chemistry, maths, physics, engineering, you know, all of these disciplines have to come together. Mm-hmm. It's like lining the planets to make sure the outcome is successful. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So thank you for that. That's uh, helpful for us to understand. Now, you want to talk a little bit about the GIS Atlas product um, and the product offering and then how it kind of works, particularly in packaging and labels market. So so explain to us a little bit about Atlas and, and what the components are. Yeah, so Atlas is really a platform technology from our perspective. Um, it's a software platform technology. And it consists of three really key elements. Um, one is the Atlas server, uh, which is essentially a silent server that runs on the computer and is a, a bit like a, a, a massive computing engine. I'll talk a bit more about that later. Uh, the second component is our user interfaces. And so we have a number of different user interfaces depending on what the application is. And then the third pillar, is our Atlas tools. And these tools are a range of different software tools that allow you to do a range of image quality processes. It might be printing an image quality test pattern, Mm -hmm. analysis of it, calculating the compensations that are required and these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So Atlas kind of consists of those three main things. That's kind of the heart of what the Atlas software platform is about. Yeah. And what can can you actually control with Atlas then? Yeah, so Atlas Server is, um, I'll talk a little bit about technology and they'll give you an idea of how things can be controlled because I think understanding how it works gives people a perspective of what it can do and potentially where it could go. Yeah. Um, so Atlas Server, is, it's got an HTTP interface. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it uses what's called a RESTful API. So the way in which you interact with the server is through that process. It's a bit like the way in which web browsers communicate with internet servers. Mm-hmm. So your browser talks to an internet server which might send back pages of things to you or... You know, classic examples of Google search engine. You send a request yep. to the Google search engine that calculates and sends stuff back. Well, that's how the server works. Yep. It's got that same sort of interface to it, and it kind of sits at the heart of everything. Mm. On the outbound side, it's able to communicate with machinery. So, you know, a very obvious example is it can communicate with the global object system drive electronics. Uh, it can talk to our ink systems. Mm. Uh, it can talk to other third-party hardware, and that's kind of one of the things we're going towards in the future. Mm. And so it's kind of a, like the person in the middle that controls all those pieces, does all the heavy lifting computation work. Mm. Um, and so, how, yeah. So, how does that work for customers? How do, how do they kind of make it work for them? And, and why would they think they need this? Well, I mean, fundamentally, you need to get something, a PDF document, an image, whatever it is from where you have it on mm-hmm. a hard drive. Mm-hmm. And you need to get it down to making it jet on a printhead. So Atlas Server does all those calculations for you. It's the Mm. thing that takes the PDF or the TIFF file or a Mm. VDP file, Mm. calculates all the image data, and then works out how do I get this thing to make sure I jet the right nozzle at the right time. 
which is quite a complex calculation. Mm. And so it does all of that work for you. That's, mm. that's one piece of it. I mean, there's a lot more to it, of course, because it can, on that path, do all sorts of other things as well, other transformations. It might strip the data down into pieces to make sure different bits of hardware get the right things at the right time. It might rotate images. It might do other computations on those mm. things. So it's able to do all those complexities. And without that, of course, you can't print. I mean, a lot of people don't quite see the magic that happens behind there, but it's a fairly complex process, mm. taking what looks like something easy on a screen and actually getting it onto a digital printer at high speed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the complexity gets much higher because, um, you know, XY multipass scanning. Yeah. You know, we, you watch those scanners as they print, but they're not printing a single full image each time. They're doing no, bits and pieces both. over the time. And that's yeah. quite a complex piece of mathematics, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it does all of that for you as a customer. So you can send in your raw file that you can see on a screen, looks sort of quite normal, and let it do all the hard work to calculate how to get that out on the printing machines mm, effectively. Just explain to me, I'm just showing my ignorance here, but why why is it that technology, the kind of main, main technology, the machine technology, why does this not automatically have this type of software with it anyway? Uh, well, most of them do. I mean, the thing is yeah. that um, there's kind of two parts to the, to the digital printing world. There's those which are the big companies, the big brand companies that do all this themselves, of course. So, yeah. you know, the Hewlett Packards and Xeroxes and the likes, they've all got all this built in. Yeah. Our main customer base is all the others that yeah. don't have that um, inbuilt sure. capability within their own business. Yeah. And so they buy that component from us. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess, in a way, your customer base are the bespoke manufacturers of inkjet technology. Yeah, exactly. You know, yes. over 150 plus customers worldwide in a whole range of spaces from mm. ceramic printing to textiles to mm. label printing, package printing, yeah, additive yeah. manufacturing, et cetera. Mm. And that's a very diverse mix of people. And, you know, a lot of these companies don't have the ability to, you know, have resources to create all that infrastructure in the software space. Yeah. And yeah. it's a huge replication. You can imagine 150 companies all trying to replicate that same capability. It means they've got to have, you know, three or four, five, ten people. Yeah, to develop that. That's a lot of rep unnecessary replication. So we yeah. do that. Yeah, and also uh, there's there is a sense, isn't there, that a lot of pieces of kit are developed uniquely. If that if that makes sense, a unique yeah. manufacturer of a piece of technology that's an inkjet technology. So as you just said, there's you know you you've got a unique piece of software to fulfil that that piece of technology's requirement in a way. Yeah, actually, I mean, I think you've put that very well because you might take a company that produces a single pass printing machine mm. well that calculation to get a pdf on a single pass printing machine is mm. one type of calculation that same company might then build an xy scanning technology mm. that's a different type of calculation but what they want is one interface so if they're going to yeah. write some software that has a nice human interaction interface that goes on their end machines mm. what they don't want to have to do is have a different back end for each mm. of the machine types. We do that. So they mm. can interface with one single thing called Atlas. Mm. And when they interface with it, it does all the work to calculate the differences between the machines they're working with yeah. without them having to do that themselves. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing a presentation by one of your guys and um, it was very, at the time it was focused on software that helped inkjet onto curved surface, which was quite a challenge because obviously the heads and things don't necessarily you know, sometimes they, they move, but sometimes, you know, they, so it was a piece of software did the work really for for the for the technology. 
Yeah, yeah. certainly pr printing onto uh, complex 3D surfaces yeah. is yeah. complex by nature. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it's one of those ways. There's so many different ways you can do it because the head can pass over the surface in many, many different ways. There's, mm. And there's not just one optimal way. There's probably quite a few. Yeah. And so that that is a particularly complex calculation. And that is something that you don't want to have every company who has to do this trying to do all the mathematics and the algorithms themselves. Sure. What sets um, you guys up? I mean, obviously, we talked about software a little bit there, but what, what else, what other elements of the business sets you up apart from the other players in the market? Well, I think one thing we offer is quite an integrated look and feel to the product. I mean, as I said, there's the fundamentally in the background is running is the server, which is yeah. the computation engine effectively. Mm. Uh, we have a range of user interfaces for different applications. Mm -hmm. And we also have a range of tools, um, which are installable components. Mm. And the key, I think, differentiated for us is that they all work in an integrated way. They not just look and feel like they're integrated, in other words, they, the way they come across as a user interface, they feel mm. integrated, but they are truly integrated. In other words, they leverage each other. The interface tools and the server and our drive electronics as well are all very aware of each other's capabilities in a lot of ways. Mm. So it means that we've got a very optimal approach and it comes kind of as one package. Whereas if you look at some other products um, and the way some other people build things together, they look a little bit diverse. Mm. Um, they're not necessarily developed simultaneously. And that's the other thing is it comes across in our product the way we run our business. And that is that all our development teams synchronize the activities they've got. If we're implementing a new technology in drive electronics. Mm -hmm. The team that works on the server works with them. The team that works on the user interface works with all of them. And together, they build all the infrastructure in a very consistent and uh, integrated methodology. And that's very important because it means yeah. you've got the most optimal workflows as well. Sure, sure. Just uh, for anyone who doesn't know GIS, how many people working at the organisation? Uh, we've got about 70 people at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, we're growing at a reasonable pace. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a you know a range of specialists from ink technologists who develop ink systems through to embedded software engineers, electronics, mm -hmm. uh, physicists, mathematicians, software mm -hmm. developers. Um, yeah, it's quite a diverse group of people. Sure. Um, the bulk of them, you know, about 95% of us are all located in Cambridge. Mm -hmm. We've got some people out in China um, and Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got some people on the ground, of course, now with the larger company at Nano um, mm -hmm. in Israel and other mm -hmm. parts of the world. Mm -hmm. But essentially, our primary focus is the team in Cambridge. Mm. Just, just what you mentioned, Nano. I, I asked the question: How many? How big you were as a business? Obviously, Nano now involved. You know, that's, that's that adds uh, an extra element to the organisation. Um, what? What, what have you sensed? You've been there since this, this this period of time. So what have you sensed in terms of the relationships? Oh, it's been very positive. Um, but as an organisation, I think the whole company, Nano Dimensions, as an entire group, is something like 500 plus people. Sure. Something of that order. Um, and it's a business which has acquired some very interesting technology spaces with quite a lot of synergy. So mm. you know, Nano Dimensions is a business which is a, um, primarily focused on printed electronics, mm -hmm. but then they've acquired a company in additive manufacturing, another mm. company in artificial intelligence and machine learning. Mm. And so they've grafted onto the business a lot of synergistic companies. So mm. in fact, we all work as a team. I'm part of a, a bigger team that's headed in Nano, which is called the product champion team. Mm. So each part of the businesses that they've acquired has somebody like me in them. Yeah. And on a regular basis, we synchronize our activities and we communicate about technologies we could share. 
Sure. So that whole sharing of thought and knowledge has been really very useful, actually. Mm -hmm. um, a good example is the machine learning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. So just thinking now about customers and what your customers get from working with you guys, you know, what, what are they asking for and what are they getting? <laughs> They're often two different things, of course. <laughs> customers ask for a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I just wonder. Um, yeah, so customers are asking more and more for complete software and uh, electronics packages from one company quite often. Which I've yeah. seen this over the years now where in the past, customers would be buying pieces from different places and trying to put them together themselves. Sure. But more often than not, what I hear now is I can't, can't you guys just do all of this and all of this and all of this? Mm. So, of course, over time, that's changed the nature of our business. A good example is, in fact, Atlas. Mm. You know, GIS was heart was really electronics and ink systems. Software came with it because it was necessary. But the software side has now grown significantly because of this sort of demand from our customers for a more complete offering from us, mm. or something more comprehensive. Yeah. So that's and one thing they ask for. Um, the other thing is they're always looking for technologies can improve their print quality i think that's probably a really critical area actually yeah yeah not speed well speed is one thing speed obviously good things wants things to go faster yeah but fundamentally a print head of a given type from a particular manufacturer has a limit in its speed it's just a physical thing it won't go mm. faster than a certain speed mm. so obviously they want us to drive print heads at their maximum speed I think speed is becoming less of an issue, actually. Yeah. I think in the past, you and I have talked about this yeah, before, yeah, yeah. you know, speed was a big issue in the past. You've got to mm. keep up with analog. Mm. Well, actually, a lot of the technology now is getting, you know, you're getting machines 150, 300 metres a minute, print mm. speed digitally, mm. a single mm. pass is um, not unusual now. Mm. Analog printing machines, 800 metres a minute, typically. Mm. You know, so the speed's getting up there quite quickly. Yeah. But the yeah, issue yeah. is you need to still maintain your print quality. Yeah, and, no and, and create flexibility as well, isn't it? Yeah, that that's flexibility right. that you can bring to the table with digital or inkjet. It, it just, you know, it's, it's, it wins on several occasions, really. Well, that's quite true. There's no point in having something that's quite fast and useful, but actually it takes a very long time to process a job, and you've got downtime yeah. because of that. Yeah, set up and downtime, and yeah, exactly. And it's right. been an interesting time Sorry. because juggling the the speed of the machine and the speed of processing data mm. has always been one of those things they've been climbing on top of each other in some, mm. in some ways. Mm, 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 mm. So um, just returning to Atlas, what's the future hold with Atlas? What, what's what's next? What's coming up? Well, um, what people will start to see is more integration with third-party hardware. Mm. Uh, it's quite an important objective of ours is to for Atlas to have more control over things within the printing system. Um, you know, for example, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things going on in printing systems. You've got things like heating and curing systems, et cetera. So one mm -hmm. of our ambitions is to, based on the fact we know what we're printing, that gives us the control of how can we manage energy better in machines, for example. Mm -hmm. um, the other area is we gather a lot of information. You know, the server is getting log files and data from all sorts of parts of the printing systems. Um, and then the objective there is to say, well, with that information, what can we say about what's going to happen next? So in other words, sort of predicting yep. 
things that might happen before they happen to make sure uptime of machines is as maximized as possible. So mm. you know, part of what we're doing now is looking at machine learning engines. Yeah, yeah. How can we build machine learning into our business? Because it is at the center of everything. So it's getting that data is a great place to do it. Yeah. So you, I, you've mentioned machine learning several times. So I guess you personally, as a inverted commas scientist, can really see the potential machine learning? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, certainly something that is the way of the future. Predictive maintenance is obviously pretty critical. Yeah. Um, but also just things like being able to um, see certain conditions. Obviously, one of the things that's really critical is to maintain quality conditions on systems right through a whole factory. Yeah. So if things like the factory ambient temperatures are going up or these types of things are going on, um, or the humidity is changing or there's other dynamics that are going on around the printing machines, they affect the quality. So being able to automatically, intelligently see that happening Mm-hmm. and then provide feedback to the user or even even pass the user, in other words, automatically make changes mm-hmm. based on its learning to make sure you maintain a machine in its most optimal condition means you're going to have the best print quality, the highest uptime, the least downtime through to ma- due to maintenance and probably the best and most cost-effective business model. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, I, I, as a scientist and a physicist, of course, machine learning is super interesting. Yeah. If used properly. And uh, obviously, it's not. It's it's a bit of a a flavour of the month in some it ways. Is. I didn't want to say, but it's, yeah, we're, but it's all, we're all looking at it, aren't we? And thinking, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yes. Kid, kids using it as uh, a way of solving their, you know, their essays for school and things. It's quite interesting. But yeah, you, you're right. So I guess what you're saying is your sense is this is the sort of industry 4.0 type of evolution of of where things are going. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. It's not, it's not everything. It's no. an important piece. You know, there's a lot of um, other technologies which don't need machine learning, you know, things yeah. like um, nozzle correction and density compensation. And there's a lot of, there's a range of um, machine compensations you can do purely in software, which are deterministic. They don't need to have a incredibly intelligent engine of some sort in the background mm. to do it. Mm. So it has its place. Mm. Um, and it's just an important piece of the puzzle, but it's certainly not, it's not one of those things that's going to be you know, revolutionary in the next 12 months, but maybe in the next four to five years, it might change the nature of things. Yeah. And, and just to finish up on, really, um, I'm interested just to get a, a feel from you of current market trends and where things are, because obviously uh, we talked to a few people. There's some challenging challenging issues out there. Um, You've obviously got some big clients and the the, the What's interesting about your client relationships is, as you said yourself, a lot of them are technology developers and therefore probably have a pro- project or product, but particularly a project that is something that's probably two or three years down the line or two, you know, sometime down the line. So it's often a good guide to where things are going and how things are looking. What are you seeing? Yeah, I think what I'm seeing mostly is in fact digital printing um particularly in the packaging sector mm. and obviously a few of the others textiles and the likes mm. um being taken very very seriously i know that sounds crazy because we've obviously we've all been taken seriously for quite a while. <laughs> yeah we've been saying um, quite a long but, time but i i truly believe that it's um now at the point where it is going to start to escalate take off mm. and so the sort of trends we're now seeing is the big big questions okay this looks like it's going to really 
be revolutionary in the next probably two to three years. Yeah. Uh, the packaging industry, for example. Yeah. And of course, the trend is, no, right, well, how do we get this integrated with our enterprise systems? Yeah. <laughs> how do we make sure the workflow works for all our customers? How do we make sure that the operation is easy and friendly? Um, how do we make sure we don't chew? I mean, if you look at a big printing machine, like a 1200 DPI printing machine, um, one, two meters wide, going at 150 plus meters a minute, that's a lot of data. Mm. Um, and you don't want to have to pre-calculate it, preferably. So if you did, you'd end up with enormous amounts of disk space, which you just can't afford to do. So the, of course, the other trend is how do we manage this big data? How do mm. we get things processed quickly? So the PC infrastructure is actually now becoming quite significant. And as you were saying before, what we were talking about, you know, everybody said, you know, print speed's important, got to get it going fast, and then all cousin, of course you do that, and then you've got another problem looming. Mm. So the trend is getting all these things balanced so that when, and you know, as digital printing really is starting to get its foothold mm. and the print quality is getting there and it can address a lot of the, or some of the analog markets is just making sure everything's lined up and that all the systems work together and it works well in a factory environment. So sure. factory integration is the other part of it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Simon, we're sort of coming to the end of our conversation. Always interesting to speak to you. Was there anything you wanted to add? Any point that you felt was uh, something pertinent you you wanted to talk to the audience about? Um, no, the only thing is, you know, I usually go on about this particular topic, and that is the importance of everybody working together. Mm-hmm. Collaboration, communicate, collaboration <laughs> is critical. Um, and I have, I have to say. Um, COVID made it very challenging to have mm. collaboration, mm. Um, obviously, for obvious reasons. But I was, I, I guess my only comment is I've been super impressed with the industry mm. coming out of that over the last year or so of working together and getting back into the integration. You guys have done an amazing job of doing that, by the way. So congratulations, mm. there, because you have been one of those uh, connectors for the, mm. for the for the industry. And that is makes a big difference. So, I, yeah, the only thing I want to sort of tell people is just keep up with the collaboration. Keep yeah. talking to each other. Even if you're competitors, the conversation's worth having because the the, the industry is bigger than all of us. Mm. Um, and we need to make sure we're all bold enough to get in there and make it happen fairly quickly. And the way to do that is to de-risk it, and de-risking comes through collaboration. Mm. And I think we're quite lucky in the particular space that we're in, as you said yourself, is... Um, often these are projects that are, you know involve quite a lot of partners to deliver the perfect product, and that is good. You know, it means that collaboration kind of is is crucial. Um, so yeah, I think you're right, and I think the industry, particularly the sort of industrial inkjet market, really is it is very collaborative, isn't it? As you said, so yeah, good point. Um, Hope to see you soon, whenever that might be. It could actually be that I don't see you because you're traveling so much and I'm traveling so much until possibly our future print tech event in Cambridge, which will be 8th and 9th of November. But if we do see each other before then, it would be wonderful. Thank you for your time. Um, and we'll catch up soon. Yeah, and thank you. Very much enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe now for more great audio content coming up and visit futureprints.tech for the latest news, partner interviews, in-depth industry research, and to catch up on content from Futureprint events. We'll see you next time on the Futureprint podcast.